Good evening and welcome to episode 98 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandunga Kumalo. It's a Tuesday edition of the Private Property Podcast. It's supposed to be spring day, and I know a lot of people probably have had that debate in their timelines around spring day being on the 1st versus the 20-something of uh, September. But a lot of us growing up celebrating spring day on the 1st of September, but it is raining uh, in Gauteng, which is, of course, quite unfortunate. So this is the spring that, unfortunately, has not yet sprung. But we are, of course, this evening bringing you the latest dosage of all things property. And what we're going to be focusing on this evening is, you know, the different ways that uh, the COVID-19 crisis has effectively given digital um, opportunities for private property entrepreneurs. Because I think what are the really big things, or even companies who are already in the property space, if one thing that this crisis has shown us is that we're now living in an increasingly digital world and it becomes so important to have digital solutions regardless of which industry you're in. So we're going to be looking at digital innovations and its relevance in a digitally uh, connected property industry. Definitely do not want to miss that one. Before we start with our competition, I did promise that we are cooking something up for the 100th episode. Actually, you can't believe we got to episode 100. I mean, when we started this, it was just after lockdown and we were having conversations about how do we navigate uh, this lockdown and the potential job losses that we're already seeing and being able to have conversations as tenants and as landlords in order to make sure that you're able to meet each other halfway in the event that um, either one of you were affected by this pandemic. Fast forward many months, and we know that many people have been affected by, uh, you know, the financial implications of the COVID-19 crisis. And now more than ever, you're not just having the conversations, but you're having to essentially readjust your life. But we're now on episode 98 and counting down to episode 100. And as usual, we do have something very special in store for you. And One of those things, of course, is a competition. You know how much we love competitions here on the Private Property Podcast. And for the 100th live podcast episode, the special competition that we're running is that as part of the Private Property uh, Podcast 100th episode, we are inviting you to celebrate with us this great milestone. We certainly want to commemorate the growth of what has become South Africa's number one property, uh, the number one live property podcast in South Africa. And we're giving away 5,000 Rand cash during the 100th episode. And you're probably wondering, okay, what do I have to do to get my hands on that 5,000 Rand cash? Well, the first thing is we want you to drop a comment below uh, with a suggestion or with a topic that you want us to cover. You've seen us through you know, the past few months and the various topics uh, that we have covered. So if there's a particular issue that you still want us to tackle or go back to and dig further, then let us know. We definitely want to hear from you. And then, or you could, uh, alternatively, you could also briefly share uh, what, what are some of the key things, the one key thing that you have learned while listening to the Private Property Podcast? That's all you have to do to stand a chance of winning that 5,000 Rand cash prize. But every competition has those T's and C's. And of course, this one also has that. And the, the you know, the very brief T's and C's, as uh, many people always want to probably skip that part and just sign on the dotted line, is that firstly, the winner is going to be selected uh, from the comments that will be posted below. And the winner will, will also need to be present during the live uh, podcast in order to claim their prize. So it's not something that you can do before the live broadcast or after the live broadcast. We're doing it live 
on air. And if you're not present, then unfortunately you're not going to be able to win that prize. And the winner is going to be announced during the show on uh, on the 3rd of September when we have our 100th episode. And we're going to be, um, you know, if the winner doesn't respond, and I'll share this again when we have the 100th episode, if you don't respond within a certain time frame, then you're going to forfeit the prize and we're going to essentially move on to the next one. But that's a mouthful. We have shared these details down here below. And we've also uh, posted the competition link in the comments section. So if you want to familiarize yourself with how you can win this 5,000 Rand cash prize, then definitely do read the comments below. We also have spot prizes on the day of the, or on the evening rather, of the 100th episode. So you definitely want to be tuned in in order to stand a chance of winning the really great prizes that we've got in store for you. But that's, that's quite a nice mouthful as we get ready for that 100th episode. Definitely do want to keep hearing from you. So to get started with our conversation this evening, we are, of course, looking at digital innovations and its relevance in an, or in an um, you know, digitally connected property industry. And the person that we are having a conversation with this evening is Puna LaRue, who is the founder of Meeting Pal. Puna, good evening and thank you so much for joining us this evening. Good evening, Thank you for having me. I think, you know, Puna, I think one of the very first things that we need to look at, and we're chatting off air, Puna actually mentioned that his business, uh, or he's been conducting business digitally for uh, quite a number of years. So since 2012, they'd already gone digital. And I actually found that quite impressive because I'm sure a lot of offices are only now having to adapt to, you know, conducting business in a digital world, not having to be office-based, and, and finding that you've already been in this for quite a number of years. So to you, it's just business as usual. There's nothing special. I mean, he was sharing that they've, they've been using, uh, you know, applications like your Zoom and other uh, types. And I think not a lot of people were, will say, ahead of the curve in terms of already going digital. Um, and so perhaps, Puna, if one of the things that we can appreciate about um, the, the COVID-19 crisis is that it has definitely indicated to so many of us the importance of um, not just only being digitally savvy, but also making sure that your business itself is still able to operate in, in a digital world. Perhaps, you know, take us through some of the opportunities that a crisis like this essentially poses, especially in the property space, because this is the one uh, industry, or it's one of the industries where there's so much uh, you know, face-to-face -face contact to having to be physically at a place that sometimes maybe people, even when you want to, you know, do recommendations and say, let's go digital, that people are a bit hesitant because they're just so used to doing things the old way. So what are some of the opportunities that this crisis, uh, some of the digital opportunities that this crisis uh, gives us, um, particularly in the property space? So thank you. Yes, um, I think the part of the the problem is that um, people were always used to being part of an office and part of a community at the office. Uh, and with uh, COVID coming about, um, you know, we were forced to reconsider the way that we do business. And specifically, um, there was always a statement that these activities or certain activities would not be able to be done remotely. And all of a sudden, we really had to adopt and to change uh, with that in mind. So um, part of the process was that we were forced to quickly change. Um, fortunately for us, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of progress. A lot of companies have uh, engaged in digital transformation, tra driving innovation, driving technology. 
And obviously, with uh, technology coming more and more available, readily available through smartphones and accessibility uh, through internet, um, that drove the whole innovation process. So, in the in the property industry specifically, um, two things are to be noted. One, uh, obviously, we can now do uh, virtual meetings which uh, we did not have the opportunity to do in the past. And the other thing is that if you look at the estate agents and how they're now st starting to sell houses, it's a different realm in terms of how they do it through videos and appointments and virtual walkthroughs. Um, fortunately, we have the technology that uh, like typically virtual reality or AI can provide us with, um, you know, you being able to, immerse yourself in a uh, situation where you can view yourself within and out. And, and perhaps that's where we now you know, almost have to look at how do we then apply some of these you know, digital innovations to the property industry? As I said, I mean, partly, uh, specifically in uh, sectional title management, uh, there's a big opportunity in that uh, anywhere where one would need to um, manage and administer uh, complexes or large groups of uh, housing complexes, um, the opportunity arose for you to manage it more effectively through uh, systems being digitally connected with your um, your tenants and or your owners. Um, this uh, the, the the principle of digital connection is that you are now 24/7 connected with your uh, owners or your community. You can post questions uh, if a, a geezer burst or something like that. Uh, it's immediate action. You can notify people remotely uh, without having to go through an office and waiting for the office to open tomorrow morning. So that becomes more and more of a direct uh, contact and a 24-7 availability into the office. You know, we were, I was talking yesterday to Zelinda Panamarva, um, and I think one of the things that came up was around, uh, you know, she was showing that earlier in the day she had an AGM that she needed to attend and, you know, it didn't correlate. I say to her that I have an AGM um, this evening that I, I, I'll be attending and a part of me probably thinks it might not correlate because we typically do have, uh, you know, the challenge of not correlating in, in these sessions. And a part of me thought perhaps this time around, it may just work because it is digital. So we don't have to think about having to physically go to a venue. And even if you're working late, you're able to still be connected and you know vote um, effectively. And and I'm wondering then, you know, Kuna, if we look at digital innovations or making sure that we have more digital products for, as you as you were mentioning, for section title management. Perhaps what are some of the challenges that you can already foresee? I mean, you're saying one of them is definitely that. A lot of the people who are who have who run these sectional titles are just so used to doing paper-based work that they probably can't quite think about how that would work for them or even make their lives easier and better if they go digital. You know, what are some of the, the some of the challenges that you can already foresee when you're trying to to convince a lot of the property managers essentially that this is now the way to go? So I think um, convincing managing agents uh, or property managers are, are not too difficult. They all have the, the problem in that uh, all of a sudden they're faced to uh, or forced to have a meeting remotely through Zoom, Teams or Skype or whatever video conferencing tool that they have. 
So they have a couple of challenges as per the actor as to how to verify and validate that uh, the person attending the meeting is actually the rightful owner. And, and then the second thing is uh, regarding the voting procedures uh, around um, the remoteness. Uh, in the past, we used to uh, print out voting slips before the meeting and carry 600 of these slips in, have two stickers that you put on, 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 on the shoulder of the person to know which proxies they carry. So with all that, um, it's now very difficult remotely to go around on a round robin basis and asking people, how do you vote yes, no, and then from there trying to tally the votes in number and in value. So that becomes um, a very tedious but uh, onerous job on, on, on managing me meetings. And with a lot of respect, um, the traditional chairmen and or traditionally we did not have to get into the riga um, because we could uh, take the, the meeting take the notes back home and then calculate a lot of the stuff and then afterwards do the minutes. So at this point in time, we're getting into a position where we, we don't have control. A lot of people are using polling facilities built into VCs. Unfortunately, that only gives you a yes, no, and you don't have, you still don't know what the value vote and the outcome uh, effectively is. And as per the act, you need to define and or announce the, uh, the uh, outcome of the vote uh, during the meeting. So it becomes a bit of a mess uh, to manage remotely uh, on that basis. And therefore, the principal and a lot of uh, managing agents or chairmen have uh, steered away from having meetings virtually because of um, uncertainty. How do you control the meeting? How do you sign people in? How do they sign the tenants register? How do you in, in control um, uh, proxies and things like that? So that is uh, where there's a big uh, opportunity and all um, education that, that needs to, to happen with managing agents specifically. And, you know, as you, as you speak about that, Puna, then it, of course, then brings us to uh, something that you've brought on, I mean, you're founder of Meeting Pal, and I want us to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about Meeting Pal and how it solves for this, because I think we're now finding ourselves in situations where we are having to attend, um, you know, AGMs remotely, and I think for some, it probably is more convenient and being able to find ways to adequately count, but also make sure that the full-on admin of a sectional title or community scheme is run from a digital platform becomes so important. It's more open, it's more transparent. I don't need to call uh, you know, or email a managing agent and maybe they respond two days later. So you're able to have a sense of things are being done, you're reporting it, you're not having to have different layers in order to access people who are running the sectional scheme. I certainly want to hear from viewers at home. I mean, if you're looking, if you're a property entrepreneur or if you've even looked at the you know, the property space, if, for example, you're living even in a sectional title, what are some of the, uh, you know, digital innovations that you are seeing as a need, especially because of the COVID-19 crisis that we're seeing, uh, that we're finding ourselves in, or that we should be adopting going forward, regardless of whether or not uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Because I think being able to have digital systems and solutions that are seamless um, and make managing whether it's various properties easy is certainly what we need as uh, property investors. We don't want to be doing lots of admin, lots of paperwork. You actually want to get into a system where that process is 
digitized as much as possible. And we'll talk a little bit uh, later in our conversation, Puna, around you know the data and how it's secured, especially given that we saw that there was a you know the the breach of data by Experian and I. I know they've come back and they've said it wasn't quite a breach and you know a story that's very bizarre but um, i think that definitely is a concern that a lot of people who were affected by that particular uh, let's call it uh, scare we're now more mindful of how important it is for us to know where our data is stored how um, and what the people who are storing it are essentially going to be doing with it. So we're going to go for a quick break and when we come back we'll be looking at more digital solutions for the property space. Welcome back to episode 98 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. This evening, we're looking at digital innovations and its relevance in the digitally connected property industry. We're certainly seeing that there are quite a lot of uh, digital opportunities for the property sector, especially given the COVID-19 crisis that we find ourselves in. But more than anything, South Africa is, was, is actually a bit behind in terms of uh, the property sector being more and more digital. I mean, even if we look at, for example, PropTech companies in other markets like the US, the UK, Australia, and how South Africa isn't quite there when when uh, when it comes to PropTech innovations. We are, of course, seeing a rise of certain uh, PropTech innovations that are solutions that are going to make certain aspects of your property journey, whether it's in the commercial space, residential, uh, industrial, easier, more efficient, and, you know, digital. Because as we say with Puna earlier, is that properties is one of those industries where we're so reliant on, you know, face-to-face or dealing with a lot of paperwork, but we're realizing now more than ever that we still need to actually have digital solutions uh, going forward because we're not going to be going back to the way things are. So how are we going to effectively make sure that, uh, we are adopting new digital solutions that are going to make our lives and certainly make running our property businesses easier and more efficient. Uh, and, and, and I did say, Puna, that I, I wanted us to then explore when we look at, um, you know, we were talking before the break around the administrative side of running sectional titles and the AGMs and the meetings that typically come up. We're then, of course, brings us to talking about Meeting Pal. Perhaps share with our viewers at home, you know, what Meeting Pal is and how it came about. Thank you. Yeah, so Meeting Pal is a virtual meeting manager, effectively allowing you to create and uh, set up a meeting uh, in, the, in the cloud virtually in terms of defining the meeting, scheduling the time for the meeting, uh, uploading the attendees, uh, managing your resolutions up front, your uh, agenda, um, and things like that. So you can define before the meeting, do the prep as what uh, you'd normally do before a meeting in terms of setting up the agenda, inviting people, and preparing for that. We just allow you to do that on in, in the cloud basis uh, with the principle that um, we then, when we in, upload the, the uh, add invitees to the meeting, it automatically will then fire off an email to the invitees uh, 
announcing the um, invitation to that meeting with links into uh, AGM packs and or documents that they might need to peruse before the meeting. So that then, and also where the links are for them to download the app either from the App Store or from Google Play. You can also run it from a web browser, but uh, people prefer to have a voting button in their hand. So when they download the, the app on their phone, uh, they effectively uh, have the voting slip uh, in their hand. And then at the back end, the meeting administrator will still then be able to open the meeting. Once the meeting is open, you can, the people can join the meeting. When they join the meeting, the attendance register is automatically populated. Uh, and the attendance register is also populated based on your proxies that you carry. So if it's an outside proxy holder or whatever, they can sign into the meeting and then in, uh, inherit the, the PQ values for that sectional title and then they can vote accordingly. So they can see the proxies and they can vote differently per proxy uh, depending on the directive that they might carry. So they could have a, a directive to vote against a specific act, uh, um, point on the agenda uh, where the, the proxy holder himself might vote in favor of, of a specific point. So um, through the, the process of dynamically administering and opening up resolutions as you step through the agenda saying, okay, we're going to vote on this. It then pushes out the, the resolutions to the front end the users or the owners can then effectively immediately go and uh, vote yes or no. And when the chairman uh, closes the, the votes, the results is immediately available on their device in terms of number and value and whether the, the resolution carries yes or no. Uh, so we, we take into consideration special resolutions and all ordinary and unanimous, all those things we, we take into consideration. So that then allows you to immediately have the results available uh, and then finally, when you close the meeting, we then store that information, and this is getting back to your data breach, but we then store the information digitally for five years because statutory requirements, because it's a statutory document, we need to store that uh, the, the outcome and the vote, the attendance register, uh, everything uh, is stored in the cloud. You know, Puna, we are, of course, taking questions and comments from our viewers at home. And one of our regular viewers, uh, Matha Shingane, says electronic voting in our state was a mess. We are still waiting for the results. So we're seeing that, uh, you know, a lot of managing agents who obviously can't have physical AGMs. And there are AGMs that do need to happen. And they're still using, uh, they're probably you know, even using perhaps a poll uh, where they're, very likely doing it almost manually. So you've got the people's uh, names and which units they are, but they, I know, because a lot of the free version stuff that you find wouldn't be able to give you the square meters and uh, uh, so the size proportion, right? So you'd be able to know that X percent of the people who are present voted like this, but then it doesn't give you the indication of the size. And I think that's definitely one of those things that when you're looking at sectional schemes becomes important that it isn't just about um, three people voting yes and no, but also understanding um, the proportion, wouldn't that be so? That's correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to that point, as I say, the, the outcome of the vote needs to be announced immediately, effectively, as per the act, in the meeting, and just having a yes-no vote and then going through an Excel spreadsheet, studying the yeses and the noes, and I mean, that's the most effective way outside of a, an application that drives it for you. Uh, part of the process is, is to actually say 
while you're voting, the chairman can also see at the back end or the administrator can see that the people are participating, the votes are telling, uh, and then, um, but you cannot influence each other. That's also a very nice uh, position that we've seen with the body complexes that we've actually run virtual meetings on is that I can't see somebody being very, very upset about a specific point being raised uh, because uh, they can remotely vote either in favor or against the specific rights. It becomes very scientific. And as I say, it has to be immediately available uh, so that the outcome, I mean, in, in, in uh, meetings that I run, uh, we don't even need to announce the outcomes because it's immediately uh, as part of your record at the bottom of your screen available. So Kuna, one of the things that we, we've touched on is around data. I mean, we've seen uh, the very massive data breach um, by experience, 24 million South Africans have been affected. And I think if anything, it's made us hyper-vigilant and hyper-aware that data uh, breaches or security issues can happen even in big organizations. And as much as, you know, Experian has gone on to explain what had happened, uh, which is probably a conversation for completely a different day, but I think, you know, a, a crisis like that makes you wonder as uh, somebody who has to give your data away around then the safety of uh, some of these digital solutions. Because I think one of the things that we always fearful about with digital solutions is the threat of getting hacked. Uh, and we've seen quite a number of different examples with that, you know, a lot of the bigger organizations and companies tend to have quite a big budget to be able to have a team that has the state-of-the-art uh, malware and, and making sure that there's a team that essentially makes sure that people don't uh, digitally attack, uh, attack them. But unfortunately, that isn't the case for um, every digital solution. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Perhaps take us through then, you know, how do we handle that, especially if we're going to be the residents who are in sectional titles. And I'm sure some of the managing companies might have asked that as a question because they would already have their own protocols around how they manage the data um, when they get copies from the, uh, uh, whether copies from the uh, owners of the estate or the complex. So then how do we handle the data issue as we're becoming increasingly more digital? So I think, um, the short answer is, unfortunately, there's not a, a fail-safe mechanism, as you've uh, just rightly pointed out. So we are, I myself, the company, my company, we are very well versed with building corporate-grade uh, systems. So from a security point of view, we take care of and, and are vigilant of, of ensuring uh, all the security um, by storing our data in, in the cloud uh, virtually um, and then uh, under uh, certificates and SSL security uh, certificates, uh, high encryption and things like that. Uh, so we're trying our utmost um, and getting back to the responsibility that we carry as a company uh, within the Poppy Act or if we have uh, international owners in terms of the GDPRs, uh, we also need to take that into consideration. So we are very vigilant in terms of the data and the data storage. Our engineers are constantly evaluating our risk situation, doing penetration tests on our system to see if they can breach the data. But in terms of the, the requirement placed on us by the Act and back to the managing agents, you have to ensure logical and physical um, security or access to control logical and physical uh, access to your data, whether it's in paper format 
Um, the same can be applied where somebody breaks into an office and steal a file. So unfortunately, um, that's just part of life and that's the mechanism or the, the realm that we live in. But as I say, the fortunate thing is that because we are, we ourselves uh, are geared towards corporate systems, uh, we actually have quite a lot of strict uh, compliance rules built in. But I cannot guarantee that with 100%, I mean, everybody, all the banks are trying their best. Uh, and it's a game. The bigger the lock, the bigger the key. That's a saying in IT. So unfortunately, that's the, the reality of, of life. Now, Puna, before I let you go, perhaps, you know, do you have any tips that you'd like to share with, uh, especially property entrepreneurs who are looking at different digital solutions for running their respective um, property businesses? Because I think oftentimes some of the property entrepreneurs obviously wouldn't be, you know, necessarily managing uh, complexes or estates, but there are different ways that they can still use digital solutions to streamline running their property businesses. Sometimes it might be making sure that uh, you know, people are loaded properly, your tenants are loaded properly in a particular system, and you use that instead of having to manually, you know, send an email to your tenant, but digitize that as much as possible. So any tips for entrepreneurs who are looking to digitize their operations in their property businesses? So I think there's a, a couple of opportunities, uh, specifically around short-term rentals. Um, there's good opportunities in terms of booking systems, and ensuring ensuring that you understand the tenant uh, information that's required as per the act. So I think on on, on that side there's some some good uh, opportunities. And then uh, peripheral systems, uh, especially in the insurance industry, um, making sure that uh, I understand um, that uh, when a geezer bursts, who's the closest uh, plumber to come out and, and fix stuff. So there's a lot of services that can be offered to body corporates in that space in terms of peripheral services. Um, and as I say, in the insurance industry, people coming to, to the fore by reducing premiums in, in having owners also but, um, capturing data on their behalf. So there's an opportunity to lower the, the, um, the administration and, and reduce the administration and bring it to the, to, to the person that actually holds the information rather than to have them fill in the form, scan it, and then try to... Uh, have some uh, robotic system complying, reading and OCRing it, um, object, object character recognition and, and, and adding it to system. By having more and more systems um, in the hand of the, the owners, we actually allow more digital uh, innovation. And the other thing that one needs to look at is the utility meters. There's a big opportunity in digitizing uh, utility meters, water and electricity, and have owners managing that and turning on and off and all throttling uh, capacity uh, with uh, applications uh, remotely. Well, Puna, we are going to leave it there. I actually like that last tip because I think it's, it's, it's one that I've spotted for some of the, the, the complexes that uh, you know, I invest in where we've spoken to the managing agent around digitizing um, the meters, whether it's water, electricity, and owners being able to see in real time what the water or electricity consumption is looking like. Um, and in the event where electricity must be you know, closed or 
um, certainly looked looked at and monitored properly, you're able to have it in your hands because oftentimes there's always the, you're getting your bill at the end of the month and the meter reading hasn't always been accurate. I mean, we've certainly seen that this crisis, one of the things that had happened was there was a period when meter readings weren't being done and you were being billed based on estimates and sometimes you were being overbilled and we already know that people coming back and the numbers and the mathematics, not seeing numbers properly, that's just been a complete nightmare. And so having that digitized gives you an opportunity to even clearly see numbers because sometimes you know numbers are not written properly and, and there's so much back and forth trying to dispute the claims that you get. So I certainly do look forward to more areas and more buildings and complexes having that um, running because it really is one of those thorny issues that as investors we tend to have because uh, tenants sometimes consume quite a lot and it's easy to almost show them in real time that this is what it is. So when you build them at the end of the month, it also doesn't seem as though you're trying to scam them or make no money out of them, but it's easy for you to be more open and transparent. But Puna, we are going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Zamatumba. And that is Puna Leroux, who is the founder of Meeting Pal here on the Private Property Podcast. It has been a pleasure to be with you yet again on the Tuesday edition of the Private Property Podcast. But before I go, remember we're counting down to episode 100. We're going to be giving away 5,000 rand cash for episode 100. And you do not want to miss out on the episode. We're also going to be having prizes during the actual episode. So you definitely want to tune into that one. We are running that competition and all you have to do is follow the prompts down here below. We essentially want to find out Firstly, what are or what is the topic that you still would want us to cover? Some of the topics that you definitely want us to cover or go back to and dig deeper into, or you can alternatively share with us what has been one of the biggest lessons that you have learned while watching the Private Property Podcast. Well, we look forward to reading all your uh, suggestions, but also what you've learned from the podcast. We are a community that's like that likes sharing and making sure that we learn and grow together. And as we count down to episode 100, I'm sure many of you at home are excited to see what we have in store for you as a team. We certainly are uh, excited to, to roll this one out. And as we get ready for the next 100 episodes, we definitely want to make sure that we give you a taste of what you want on offer. Well, folks, that's it from me, Zamantunga Kumalo, here on the Private Property Podcast. I'm back again, of course, with you tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. And as usual, hoping you're staying home, staying safe, and keeping warm. Hi, I'm Clifton Smithers. I live in Belito, where my partners and I run a business called Union 3. As a family, we chose to move here about six years ago. What attracted us to the area was the safe and relaxed lifestyle of the North Coast. We're surrounded by so much natural beauty and we love that it's so casual. It's just not as intense as a busy city. In fact, that's one of the main reasons there's so many people moving into the area. There's some amazing lifestyle estates out here. We've got some Bali, Brettonwood Estate, and Zimbiti, to name a few. The Belito Lifestyle Center caters to everyone's needs. There's also some smaller commercial centers like Tiffany's in Salt Rock. There's some excellent restaurants to choose from, and there's a really wide variety of activities on offer. 
from mountain biking out on the trails to surfing at any one of the beaches, there really is something for everyone. This quiet little town really comes alive over the weekend. The live concerts in the farmer's market at the Leachy Orchard is very popular. With the new international airport just 15 minutes down the road and the unmatched lifestyle that this place offers, it's no wonder that the North Coast is the fastest growing town in South Africa. My family and I absolutely love it, Jack, and this is our neighbor. Understanding the basic calculation, income minus expenses, and you want to be left with a positive income. It is a very tough game, not easy at all. To stay ahead of um, knowing exactly what what your clients need, what what their teething issues are. Have a joint move-in inspection. That a lot of people that are coming into sectional title, homeowners associations, are just like you described, first not only first-time homeowners, but first-time owners and residents in community schemes. They get to see the perspective from the other side of the aisle. And I think that's a really important thing to do. It's a market that's estimated to, to, to be transacting at least 9 billion rand per year. So it's a huge market. In order to get there, you need to be able to build up a track record. Your cash flow model needs to be sharp. Um, a, a quote comes to mind. The best time to buy a property